0: way get it done no excuse no explanations that's got to be part of the culture
1: welcome everyone to the driving vision podcast brought to you by the ziggler auto group i'm your host sam dark and here with me auto group director of talent development mike van ryan welcome mike hey thanks sam be sure to subscribe to the podcast like it if you do and leave a comment On the Driving Vision podcast, we seek to learn from the best leaders who are, well, driving vision. Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker is not only a friend of the Ziegler Auto Group, but trained with us in the locker room on his vision as part of the Ziegler Auto Group speaker series. On today's episode, Mel shares that success leaves Clues, and he provides some of the most prominent clues to success in his life, including having a relentless mindset, a sense of urgency, attention to detail, discipline, and why he, even at his current level, insists on an open door policy with his team. Plus, what he calls the strain train coach tucker knows a lot about success having turned around 11 teams in his career many of coach tucker's leadership and performance themes are familiar to us at team ziggler today we take you inside the ziggler locker room with ziggler auto group president and ceo aaron ziggler and michigan state head football coach mel tucker but first let's go backstage with coach tucker and discuss his time at team ziggler Coach Tucker, it's been awesome having you here within the Ziegler Auto Group today. So give us your impressions of being here and speaking in the locker room to Team Ziggler.
0: No, it, it was great. i tell you what, uh, when I walked in the building, I could tell that there was a, a great culture. Then walking up the stairs of them before I entered the locker room, I was like, it felt like game day for me because uh, so many high achievers in here. You could tell that the culture is outstanding. And. I'm just happy to be a part of it today.
1: We were thrilled to have you because you talked about that success leaves clues, Mm -hmm. and that was an awesome message. Where did you develop this vision, this strategy, these keys to success?
0: Yeah, just over the years, you know, just being very blessed and fortunate to be around a lot of great coaches, a lot of great uh, educators, just paying attention. And uh, when you really think about it, successful people and organizations, they do certain things that allow them to win. And... uh, I've just picked up over the years uh, the things that I thought were important, things that I could use and with my mindset and my thought process, things that I, I thought would work for me. I just apply them to, to what I do every single day.
1: So one of the questions we ask as part of our podcast is we ask the question, what is your vision of the future and how are you working to change that? Yeah. Visions change the world, right? Yeah. What is your vision?
0: Uh, my vision is uh, for Michigan State football to be the gold standard of how you run an organization, a uh, college or pro. That's a commitment to excellence that we have. We work towards that every day. I wanted to be the best place to work uh, in America and the best place to play in America. That's awesome.
1: So you mentioned your car experience. You did dealer trades way back when. Right. And then I also read that after college, you actually sold door to door. I did. How did that benefit you and your experience coaching sales? Because that's what we do. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you have to have tough skin. My uh, philosophy was you're going to have to tell me no seven times before I'm going to leave. I love it. And so it was, it was direct sales. It was uh, no advertising, just knocking on doors. Uh, my goal was to knock on a hundred doors a day and uh, to be able to get the job done. But you just uh, learn how to uh, handle objections, give people what they want and really just build authentic relationships because uh, in a direct sales business, you know, repeat business is critical. Yeah. Just really connecting with people on a on a different level, just really transcends any type of sales transaction.
1: And so did that experience contribute to your effectiveness as a coach
0: today? Yeah, it does really, um, especially in recruiting. You know, recruiting is so much easier than direct sales in my mind. Um, you have so much more information on the, the people that you're recruiting. So it's, it's really helped me, you know, be light on your feet, you know, be resilient. Uh, don't take no for an answer um, and make sure that you uh, you can't treat everyone the same, but you treat everyone fairly, you treat everyone like a million bucks. Yeah.
1: I love what you say about relentless mindset. When you say that, it motivates and it inspires all of us. Tell us a little bit about what you talked about, relentless mindset. Yeah,
0: the the, the relentless mindset is just uh, at the end of the day, you just never want to quit. And that's one thing about our our team that that people do know and respect is that we're going to play hard. We're never going to give up. We can be up 16. We can be down 16. We're just going to keep chopping. Uh, every single day, and I think if you take that approach to everything that you're doing in life, you give yourself the best chance to win.
1: You also shared with us today a philosophy of neutral thinking. So you shared two books: What It Takes and Getting to Neutral. And in those two books, you hear Nick Saban, and you hear some of the other people that you've coached yeah. with, and you've probably learned from, yep. right? Not yep. using emotion to become too high, too low. Tell us a little bit about that, and then also when do you use emotion because i do get the sense you're an emotional guy right yeah, like yeah. i think you go to emotion at times right? yeah
0: I, I you we all have emotion it's just can you um have emotion without being emotional and neutral thinking um really helps in that regard um you always go to the truth you always go to the facts and based upon what you know um and you take the judgment out and t- try to take the emotion out of it it tells you what you need to do next and what you d- need to do next creates the outcome and it's always important you know, to ask yourself, what is the next right step to make? That's awesome. So,
1: think of a recent big decision you've made where you've used that neutral mindset. Give us an example of that.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, you look at games, a game against uh, against Michigan, and you have a big fourth down uh, decision you have to make. Whether you're going to go for it, you're going to punt. Um, and you look at the the game situation. Look at how many possessions you have left in the game. You look at uh, what is your probability of punting the ball and pinning them inside the ten yard line, or do you have? Are you close enough for a field goal? What is the momentum of the game? Things like that. And based upon the information you know, that that tells you what you need to do next, and just go for it.
1: And in that case, emotion
0: kills, right? In that case, emotion kills. You can't listen to the crowd. You can't think about what you're going to say in the press conference. You have to go to the facts, go to the truth, and then make a decision. I get paid to make decisions.
1: Another comment I love that you made today is nobody cares that McDonald's raised the price of a McMuffin. <laughs> tell us what you mean about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Barry Alvarez used to tell us that all the time when I played for him at Wisconsin says everybody's got an excuse or an explanation for why something did or didn't happen. Uh, you know, eliminate the excuses. Nobody cares about excuses. The bottom line is, did you get the job done? Did you come through? Did you execute? And when you do that, you take the excuses out of it. You can really just focus in on what you have to do and just making sure that, uh, that you're prepared to make, make sure that you can answer the bell.
1: Yeah. You know, in high performance cultures, excuses go by the wayside, right? Yeah. And there is no excuse but to perform. The
0: strain train.
1: <laughs> What's the strain train? That's another part I loved about today's conversation. Yeah, the
0: strain train is that's in our weight room uh, every Friday. Our strength coaches push our guys to the limit and force them to you know to dig down deep and to reach and to strain their gut to complete a set, complete a rep, or to push their teammates. And we take pride in the strain train, and that's and that's something that we know um, that if we continue to strain and we take strain for each other, we can make the practice harder than the games. And ultimately, when we get in the game, we can execute at a high level and win.
1: You also said today, those who want to be great mm-hmm. want to be co- coach. So last yes. question, those who want to be great want to be coach. What, what does that mean? Where have you seen evidence of that in well, your
0: career? Well, everybody needs a coach. You can't see your own eyebrows, right? And so um, if you want to be great, you know, you have to take constructive criticism. Sometimes there's harsh criticism, but you need to internalize that. Uh, don't lie to yourself. Uh, make sure that you're always working to get better. You have to humble yourself in that endeavor to, to be the best. And that really, that's really what it's all about. Just taking that coaching and knowing that um, you know, sometimes you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and taking that hard coaching. And that's how you become great.
1: It is so odd that people think the highest performers don't need a coach. <laughs> and then people who are mediocre start thinking, I don't need a coach, and they throw ego out there. And I love this concept that the best of the best actually seek that coaching they yeah. want to become better through it yeah so.
0: and once you think you you know everything that's when you're going to start losing yeah and that's a bad place to be you always work to get better and you know, always look uh, for people that can help you uh, whether in your profession or outside of your profession we can all learn from each other
1: coach thank you for being so generous with your time today thank you for visiting the ziggler auto group and sharing your vision of the future and that's been a privilege being with you today. thanks for having me thank you
2: all right. Good morning, Team Ziggler. Morning. Morning. Great to be with you. So we've got a, uh, an amazing speaker today that really needs no introduction. He started out playing football for the University of Wisconsin in the uh, Big Ten, and then uh, went on to uh, coaching at Michigan State. He then coached in the uh, NFL for a number of years, came back to college, and won a national championship. And two years ago, Michigan State hired him as their coach. And they were, Michigan State was on a downward trajectory, unfortunately, in football at the time. And I'm thinking we got about a five year rebuild ahead of us. Well, this guy had uh, different ideas. And he came in in the COVID shortened season. His first game, he beats Michigan. And then uh, in his first full season this year, the media picked him to finish dead last in the Big Ten. He had other ideas. His uh, team went on a roll. They got ranked as high as number three in the nation, and uh, they ended up beating Michigan again. Went 11 and two this year. Won their bowl game, and uh, ended up uh, eighth overall in the nation at the end of the uh, season. And he was named unanimous Big Ten Coach of the Year. So let's give a warm welcome to Michigan State. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I don't believe in some of that fake news that's out there. This brings back a lot of memories. In high school, I had a job because my assistant basketball coach was the the new car sales manager at Motor Cars Honda in the Cleveland Heights. And so I uh, used to do dealer trades in high school. Remember back, do you still do those? Yeah, so the key to it for me was not when I had one of the Civics without the air conditioning, but if I could get a like, Honda Prelude, then I would get lost and I couldn't get it back to the dealership before they closed. So I had to take it home and ah. then drive to school in the morning. Yeah, so if anybody tried to do that, you know what's going on with that. So as a coach, you always have to know your personnel. How many blue bellies in the room today? School down the road, Wolverines, Ann Arbor. <laughs> None? Come on. There's always one in the weed. Anymore? There you go, over there. You guys are spaced out, trying to triangulate the situation. All right, well, you've done a good job. This is better than usual. You got to keep them out of here. be looking for a job here pretty soon. All right, so I'll get started. I know we don't have all day. People ask me, like, all the time, like, what's the key? What is it about, you know, what you're doing? How are you able to go from 2 and 5 to 11 and 2? And just, you know, how do you turn these programs? around and to me the number one thing is culture like that's the foundation of everything we do and in regards to turnarounds this would be the 11th time that I've been part of the first year of a program going all the way back to middle school now I don't know why but I paid attention and going all the way back to my middle school basketball coaching in the eighth grade that was his first head coaching job eighth grade. My high school coach, it was his first head coaching job in the ninth grade at Cleveland Heights. Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez, his first head coaching job. And it goes on and on and on. Jim Trussell, his first year at Ohio State. Nick Saban, his first year at LSU. Romeo Cornell, his first head coaching job with the Cleveland Browns. Mike Malarkey, his first job, his first year at Jacksonville. So, you know, success leaves clues. You get a chance to see how people build these programs, these organizations. And I figured out early that culture is the key. And my definition of culture, and people always, say, well, what's your definition of culture? Right? There's so many definitions. Mine is how you live and behave every single day. That's my definition. And how you live and how you behave, those are actions. Uh, those are activities. Those are things that you do. And those things create outcomes behaviors create the outcomes. And that's what we're all about. We're outcome-based, it's, uh, it's a production business. So I'm just gonna talk to you about a couple of the key elements that we have in our culture. Not all of them, It's uh, it can be somewhat complicated, but these are things that we talk about every day. We're very conscious of it, it's very intentional, um, how we develop our culture. And that's what I did, like I hired the coaches when I got here in February, 2020. The next order of business was laying down the foundation of the culture and shifting the culture. The first thing is a relentless mindset. That's everyone in our organization. The players, the coaches, the support staff, the trainers, strength and conditioning, dietitians, managers, equipment, both uh, maintenance, everyone. Relentless mindset. A relentless mindset is basically this. Relentless has two components. It's high velocity and it's nonstop. We're never going to quit. We're never going to stop. We're just going to keep coming. We're going to do it fast. We're not slowing down for anyone. We don't slow down for someone else to catch up or to keep up. We could be up 16, down 16. It doesn't matter. We're going to keep coming after your throat every single day. High velocity, nonstop, scratching, clawing, whatever we got to do to get the job done. It's just going to be a relentless pr- pursuit of excellence. Whether it's recruiting, it could be excellent O's. It could be strength conditioning. It could be a rest and recovery. It could be academics. Everything is a relentless mindset. And I need to be able to see that in the people that I work with every day. If you don't have a relentless mindset, then East Lansing is not the place for you. Now that doesn't make you a bad person, I'm not gonna judge you, but you need to go somewhere else. And thank God for the portal. That's a joke, right? It's not really a joke. Sense of urgency, sense of urgency. So when you see our people work or when you step into our building, just like when I stepped into the locker room here, it felt different. That's how it should feel when you step into our football building. You should feel a sense of urgency, like in everything we do. We don't have people running around with like chickens with their heads cut off because everybody knows what the hell you're supposed to be doing, but we're doing it quickly. Like we're in a hurry, we're not in a rush, we're getting it done and we're moving. And a sense of urgency, you'll see that when we step on the field, our players. Like we step, we start practice, spring practice on uh, March uh, 15th. And when our guys step on the field, they come out of the locker room, they step on the field, they're working. From the time they step into that indoor facility on that practice field, they're doing something. They're with their coach doing something in pre-practice. We got the hurdles lined up. They're doing joint mobilities. You don't see people just standing around. You don't see people just standing around just wasting time. That SOB, okay, who can stop time has not been born yet. It's not going to be born. We don't have time to be wasting the clock. It's a race against time. Everybody's got 24 hours in a day. So what are we doing with ours? So we step on that field, it's time to work. You don't see people walking. Okay. So in football, just like here, you might have a shift change or you know, you're going transition from one deal to the next. You don't see people walking. You see people running. Okay. Coaches, managers players. I tell you, we need fast managers. We need fast people with water bottles. I mean, everybody's running their asses off to get to the next deal so we can get the next drill started. And I tell guys, if you don't know where to go, the horn blows, and you should know where to go, but if somehow you don't know where to go, okay, and that horn blows, just jog in place until you can figure this shit out. We don't have time. That bang just kicked in. Sour head, Outstanding. Yeah, only the mailman's walking. Attention to detail. That's important. So, for example, shirts tucked in and practice the t-shirt underneath the uh, the practice jersey Shoes tied up properly. Uh we have uh mouthpieces in, chin straps buckled up when you have your helmet on. Like those are details. That's like uh dotting your eyes and crossing your T's. We'll say, well, what's that got to do? Why if my shirt's out that doesn't make me run any faster? Or I don't have my mouthpiece in who if the official doesn't call it, what difference does it make? Those are details, right? And that's commitment to excellence. That's doing everything right all the time. Okay, and details, if you don't take care of the details like off the field, you're not gonna take care of them on the field. If you don't take care come in and practice every day, then it's, you're not gonna take care of it in the game. You just can't turn on in the game and it doesn't catch up to you till it catches up to you. At some point, you're gonna look at that guy, You're gonna, he gets a penalty in the game, okay? And you're gonna say, I should've told that guy to tuck his shirt in because the attention to detail is, is not there. That's on me as a coach. If you're not coaching it, if you're not coaching it, you let, you're letting it happen. Discipline, critically important. Discipline, discipline is not punishment. Punishment is punishment. Discipline is doing what you're supposed to do When you're supposed to do it the way it's supposed to get done and you need to understand why it's important to do it a certain way that's discipline so for example we're running plays in practice so we have cones that are 5 10 15 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage if you're not in and you're behind you're behind that cone you're behind those cones okay your toes are behind those cones if your toe is above like in front of you might lose a toe You might lose a foot. I'll cut that shit off. Your ass is behind those cones. If you're on the sideline, okay, you're behind the dotted line. You're behind the sticks. Sideline discipline. Okay, well, how can I expect uh, to have discipline during the game on the sideline when we don't have it in practice? And discipline is not the easiest thing in the world to do, you know, but when you think about it, I think about it like it's an illusion of choice. So I'll give you a choice, okay? If you want to be, you were an elite level athlete, weren't you, quarterback, undefeated? 13 and one, that's that's freaking hard to do. That's hard to do. Okay, so you want to be great. You want your teammates to be great. In terms of training and getting ready in the summer, right, getting ready for camp. That's the best, best shape you're going to be in your life, right, as soon as you go to camp, right? Okay, so it's a week before camp and I hold up a bag of Doritos and an apple. You want to be great. Is there a choice? No. It's really no choice, right? Choice is an illusion. Everybody knows that the apple is better for you. Gives you the best chance to compete, compete at the highest level. So do you really have a choice? So choice is an illusion. So when you think about discipline and what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it, when you're supposed to do it, and understand why, you have very, very few choices. If you want to be great, you're going to be disciplined in what you do. Very, very few choices. It's a Spartan existence. It's a very simple life. You don't have a lot of choices. If you want to be great, you got to have discipline. You got to have self-discipline. Communication is critically important. Our culture is like all about over-communicating, you know, like who needs to know, what do they need to know and did I tell them? Does it do any good just that, it, that I know what's supposed to be supposed to do if I haven't told anyone, I haven't told the right people. Over-communicate. We tell our players during the game when practice, sign and co-sign. I give a signal, I get it back. Give a call, get a call. Two-way communication. Make sure, we don't care if they know, the opponent, knows, we gotta make sure we know we're on the same page and we're communicating. Close the loop on the communication in any organization. If I ask Will, I say, Will, can you give Aaron a call on check on the time and make sure that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then he's got to, you know, let me know. He's got to close that loop on the communication and say, yeah, I talked to Aaron. We're good to go. Blah, 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 blah. He's going to send me a text or he's going to call me whatever. Because if not, then what's going to happen? I got to waste time. OK, first of all, I'm, there's some doubt in my mind. Then I got to waste time calling him back or sending him a text back. Hey, did you talk to Aaron? So this close the loop in the communication it doesn't take doesn't take long. One thing I discovered in the past the past calendar year, voice text. How many of you have discovered voice text on the iPhone? Is that the best thing since sliced bread? You can count, you can time how long it takes to send a voice text. You send a voice text, 18 seconds. You don't have to worry about that spell correct stuff. You don't have to worry about things being misinterpreted. You know how you send a text to someone, communication, or you get something back and it looked kind of weird. And you're like, what the hell is he talking about? Then you call them and say, hey, what's up with that text? Oh, that's not what I meant. Miscommunication, right? But that's, it's important, okay? Who needs to know it? Okay, what do they need to know? And do we tell them, do we communicate that? Are we on the same page? Connection, we talk about family, The connection, we're all connected somehow, some way. We're all connected. We see this more n- now than ever. What I do affects, affects you. What you do affects me. And it's a football family. This organization is just a family atmosphere. That's part of the culture. So you have to work at that. Well, a big part of developing that family is having, having like really authentic relationships. They go beyond what you're doing day to day here. And it's just as simple as I see you as a person, not just as a sales manager. Or service manager, or whatever. I see you as a person. I actually give a damn about you beyond what goes on in the organization here with your family, your kids, you know, your interests outside of and I understand hey like football is what you do but it's not who you are tell players that all the time football is what you do it's not who you are it's just one of the things you do well but you're much more than a football player that's important with connection and then open door policy people ask me about the portal and they say you know what's going on with the portal and we could talk that's a for another time okay we could talk about that forever but you'd be surprised at how many players tell me uh, they have come from other power five schools they tell me I can never get in to see the head coach I can never get in to see him he recruited me he was. Was in my living room, he told my parents that he was going to take care of me. Then I had an issue, had someone I want to talk about. I had a question, I couldn't even get in to see him. God never even talked to me. You know, his door was always closed, he was never around. So, open door policy it seems like everybody says it, but like if someone says they need to talk to you, you know, are you going to talk to them? Are you going to sit down and talk to them? you going to communicate with them? Are you going to connect with them? Or are you going to say, Yeah, well, why don't you give me a call next week and we'll see how I get you in? Well, see, it might be too damn late, right? Like I said, we don't have time, we don't have all day. So, that authentic authentic relationships the open door policy and say <laughs> I see you as a person is something we can't we can't take that for granted if you believe if I believe that if, if if I do well you do well if you do bad I do bad if you really believe that then why aren't we connecting no excuses no excuses no explanations so what does that mean well I'm supposed to be here at 8:40 okay and just like this morning, I was supposed to be here at eight forty. We're gonna start at nine o'clock, okay? Well, you know, like I don't get here until nine fifteen because I had a flat tire. Well, that's an excuse, and it may be a good excuse. We may got into a an accident. That may be a really good excuse, but still an excuse. The bottom line is, I wasn't here. Where's Mel? We well, don't know. He's not here. Well, then what are we gonna do? Well, We're just gonna push it back. Oh well, then I gotta. If we push that. Well, I got somebody. I can't push. I gotta. I gotta leave. I gotta cut out. It's, then it gets all screwed up. And then I walk in here, he's like, here's the slap coming in from Slancing at 915. He's supposed to be here at 840. Well, he hit a flat tire. You got to, nobody cares. They may say they care, but they don't care. Just get your ass here at 840. Find a way. Get it done. No excuse, no explanations. That's got to be part of the culture. You may have a good excuse, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Just get the job done. Find a way to get it done. Hard work. Good old-fashioned hard work. This stuff that I'm talking about, this is not something out of a, some type of book. I'm talking about this is just success leaves clues, shared experience, hard work pays off. Just good old-fashioned Midwest. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Just roll your sleeves up and just and just get at it, like elbow grease. Hard work. We want our practices to be harder than the games. That's the goal. We can have our practices be harder than the games. I want our guys to strain. Like you'll see on social media on Fridays, you see a strain train. Because we want guys to strain when they work out. When they work, we want to see them, we want to see them reach deep down. We want to push them to the limit where they think they can't go one more and then they do go one more. And we want guys to be able to take strain for their teammates. Are you willing to are you willing to, to take some strain for your teammates in here? Maybe pick up the slack, someone's got COVID and they gotta stay home with the kids, are you willing to take strain for that person? You no, know, that's huge. Can you, in training, can you make the training harder than the game The when it's actually time to make that sell? Can you put enough into the training, enough hard work into the training so you're not just ready, but you're actually prepared because of the hard work and being ready and prepared is not the same thing. People that go to the games and they're you know, they out there tailgating and all that, they're ready for the game, but they ain't prepared. To do are prepared for the game and want to come out the tunnel. There's a difference between being ready and prepared. Are you willing to put the hard work in to be prepared for the moment and to strain, to get there and take strain for your teammate. Hard work, conscious, competent. One of the reasons why in the first year that COVID year, we talked about that two and five year, well, we weren't consistent because, like, the first game we lost to Rutgers, we turned the ball over seven times. The next, we go down down the road and we beat the Bluebellies. We didn't turn the ball over one time and we beat them on the road, and they were ranked in the top ten. Then we lose a few more games. and Northwestern comes in, they're ranked in the top ten. Then we beat them. Then we lose another game, and then we go to Penn. State. We're up two scores and. Halftime, then they end up losing that game. Well, it's like, we guys are up and down like a yo-yo. We don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what we're going to get out of the team. That's because we weren't consciously competent. We didn't know, like, when we had success, like, when we went down the road and beat those sob. We didn't know why. We didn't understand why we were successful. That's important. You have to understand, like, why did you have a good month? Why did you have a good quarter? You know, why did you have a good meeting? What took place? What did you do right? What did you do right? Sometimes, like, if you don't have success, you gotta understand that too. This is why I wasn't able to make that sale, you know? You can't judge a book by its cover. I assumed some things that weren't true. That's why. You gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta go step by step. You gotta debrief that dude. You gotta go step by step, action, analysis. Okay, why were we successful, okay? Well, we didn't turn the ball over. We were able to run the ball. We stopped the run. We completed a big plays. We played stout in the red zone. We ran the ball in the red zone. We did these things. We didn't have penalties. That's why we were successful. So we continue to do those things, those behaviors, do those things. Behaviors create the outcomes. then we're gonna be successful. We can become more consistent, and consistency and performance is how you become successful. You're not up one minute and down the next. You got a top salesperson selling 80, 85 cars a month. That's every month. It's not 85 one month and then two the next month. If you got someone selling 20 cars one month, and then two cars the next month, and then 15, and then one. They don't know what they're doing. They might even think it's luck. Or it was the weather. It was something else. COVID. No, you don't know understand why you sold those 20 cars? Well, you can't be consistent in your performance. You won't be successful. People don't know what they're gonna get from you. And that ain't good. That's how you become average, and people don't wanna pay for average. You end up unemployed. It's a lot of football coaches living under bridges around here. <laughs> Lots. You see them? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Accountability, a culture of accountability. Easier said than done. Okay, so how do you hold people accountable? Well, first, you have to make sure everyone has a clear and defined role. Everyone in the organization. Because how can you hold people accountable if they if, if they if know they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing or how to do it? You ask someone, well, who was supposed to do this? And that's, you know, you see people going like that. Well, that's on me. That's my fault because I haven't defined the roles. It's not clear. Like, I literally have to pull out the job descriptions. We literally have to look at the org chart. I walk into, I come to East Lansing, and I say, there's people that already, they are already here, working in the football office. I walk in, and they're lined up wanting to meet me. They want to know, do I still have a job? And I'm asking what they do, and they, they can't even tell me what they do. Like, who does this? Well, I kind of do it, but she kind of, and then sometimes, well, shit, man, I, get out. Give me the job descriptions. Let me look at this stuff, and then we're, we're going to start over. We don't even know. I can't even hold anyone accountable. I don't even know who's doing a good job because we don't even know what their jobs are. So how can you hold people accountable they don't have clear and defined roles? Same thing with players. Like, what is my job? What is my role for this game? Am I a backup? Am I a starter? Am I gonna play 15 plays on my special teams? Or I'm just emotional support. It's a home game and it's homecoming. We're dressing everybody. And this guy, we know these guys aren't gonna play, but they can have a role. They gotta have a positive effect on someone in the game. They got to chart some plays. They got to do something. They're not just standing there, waving to their stands, waving to their mom and their dad, saying, I'm dressed. How's that going to help us? So I told the coaches, if you want this guy to dress, you know this guy's not going to play, but you want to reward the guy because he's done a good job in practice, give him a role for the game, then he can dress. But he's not just going to be trotting around out there, prancing around with a towel, hanging down, waving at his parents. Make sure he's got a job for the game so I can hold him accountable. Everybody needs to be held accountable. And peer accountability, which is where we need to take our next step. That's the difference between 11 and 2 for us and getting in the playoffs and having a chance to win two games and be a national champion, Peer accountability. We need to have a player-led team, not just a coach-led team. But peer accountability is a son of a pup. Because Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to do it. I mean, who wants to confront their teammate and say, hey, that's not how we do it, or you didn't run through the line, or you need to tuck your shirt in, or, you know, you skipped class today. That's not how we do it, or, or whatever. Who wants to do that? And then people say, well, well I'll do it because they will do it. But then when someone does it to them, now they got a problem. Now they get offended. Can't get offended. We're all here to win. And we know that we have a player-led team. It's gonna be, we're going to go further than a coach-led team. So we, got, we need to hold each other accountable. I just had these military guys in last week on Wednesday and Thursday. And they had them on the indoor on Wednesday. They had them in the pool on Thursday morning at 5 a.m. In the deep end. Some guys couldn't swim. It happened. I mean, there's military. There's one guy walking around. He's got one arm. Big yoked up guy walking around with one arm. Some other Israeli guy. And I mean, these guys are killers. Put them in the deep end. And they got guys got to hold each other accountable to do perfect jumping jacks and perfect this and perfect that and take this shirt off and go in the game. And then People are scared to death. And, but, you know, that's leadership. Leadership, cohesive team. Teamwork, huge. Like teamwork, like in football, it's everything. Because you think about it, we got, 50, we got 11 guys on the field at the same time trying to run a play and everybody's got to do it right. And we got, we playing like 60, 70, 80 plays a game. And these guys are 18 to 22 years old, you know? Everybody's got to do it right for the play to work. Now, you could be playing a team that's not as good and you don't have to do it right all the time. You can still make plays and still score still win. But then it doesn't catch up to you until it catches up to you. Now you're playing somebody really good and you got to do it right all the time just to have a chance. Well, it's teamwork. You know, everybody's counting on everybody to do their job. And then you have to appreciate that, that it is a team, and it does take teamwork to get it done. So if I'm a wide receiver, if I'm Naylor, if I'm speedy Naylor, and I catch a touchdown pass, and a, why should I just go to the to the crowd and just, hey, look at me, I'm the greatest, I'm the next Jerry Rice, look at me, it was all me, all me, 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 me. Does that make sense? Coach had to call the play, you know, the offense line had to block, quarterback had to make the right read, had to deliver the ball, you know. Everybody else had to run their route so they had the proper spacing or whatever. And then I was able to complete the catch, score a touchdown. So what should I do when I score a touchdown? Go find my teammates and celebrate with them. Put my hand on their helmet. That's what I should do. And give credit, give credit to other people. Like after the game, when they, when one of those guys, like Graham Couch, one of those guys uh, puts the, the mic in front, of, in front of your face and you know, they ask you about the touchdown, you say, like, it was all me. It was me. I'm the greatest. I'm the best. I told him, give me the damn ball. He said, no. Play. Coach called a great play. Just the way you practice it. It's great timing. You know, offense line did a great job. Quarterback, as usual, made the right read. You know, I just happened to be the guy that, you know, the defense said throw the ball to me. Threw me a nice ball. Right there, I couldn't shoot it. We've done it so many times and right in practice, I couldn't get it wrong in the game. So many times we've done it right in practice, I just executed the play. And thanks to my teammates, we were able to score that touchdown. And, and that's what that was. If you if you hear guys Saying that, you hear people saying on your team, now you get real teamwork. Non-negative. This is huge, huge for us. You'll never hear me tell my team or my staff to be positive. I'm not in the positive business. So all those books, like at Barnes & Noble, to say all that positive stuff, I ain't in that section. That's just me. Now I'm not judging, I'm saying I'm just not in that, especially unearned, unearned positivity. We're down 16 points in East Lansing, in the woodshed, in Spartan Stadium, Barstool Sports, Fox Big Noon, ESPN game day, we go in the locker room and we're down 16 points. What's positive about that? Nothing. So I'm gonna go in and say, hey guys, be positive. Hell no. For what? We're getting our asses kicked. Excuse my French, you know? However, non-negative is where we wanna be, non-negative. And if we have something to be positive about, then we can be positive about that, okay? But non-negative, what does non-negative mean? So negativity has a negative effect 100% of the time and it's proven, you can look it up. Negativity has a negative effect 100% of the time, okay? There's no studies that say positivity works all the time, but negativity does work. And if you think something negatively, say it's, you know, seven times, you're thinking something like a negative thought, it's affecting you like in a major way, in a negative way, a negative thought. But if you say it, seven t- times more powerful if you just think it, if you say it. So we tell our guys, don't say dumb shit out loud. Like, it's cold. We got a Penn State. It's cold. It's cold. When you guys grab me a napkin, these, or somebody will keep grabbing me a napkin, these bang, this bang got me. It's okay. I'm not going to fall out. It's cold. Or we're down at Coral Gables. It's hot. Go out on the field for warmups. Guys are like, man, it's hot. Man, shut up. What are you talking about? How's that helping me? How's that helping your team? How's that helping you? You're thinking it and then all of a sudden you're going to say it and have a negative effect on the guy standing next to you to whoever hears it. Cause you want to, cause you want to be thinking negative. It's hot, you know? I mean, think of that. Think about that. You make it in the, you make it into work. You pull up, you get in there, you get your coffee, you get settled in. You got, you're trying to get your mind right. Somebody walks past you. It's a shitty day out there. You know, the wind, the wind chills is minus, minus three froze my ass off. It took me 25 minutes to scrape my car off. And they raised the price of English muffin, McMuffin at McDonald's. They raised it as three three cents more. Now you're trying to get your mind right and this price is just drug you down. Being negative. So just keep it to yourself. You're gonna be negative, I better not hear it. But you shouldn't even go there. Just be non, I'm not telling you to be positive. What's positive about COVID? I ask you to be positive, but we don't have to be negative. Non-negative, and that's language. That's in a winning culture. Language is important, like the words you use, like execution and passion, reputation, integrity, drive. Those things are, those words mean something. And if you get those people saying those words, you know, you got a chance. This is big, neutral thinking. I'm gonna give you two books, give you two books. One book is uh, It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Mowat. And the other one is uh, Getting to Neutral by Trevor Mowat, it just came out. He's our mental conditioning coach. One of my best friends, he just passed away in uh, September, the week of the uh, Miami game hence the deep water quote after the game. But Trevor introduced me to the concept of neutral thinking in 2015 when I was coaching at Alabama. Like Aaron said, I spent eight years in college, 10 years in the NFL, then I came back to college in 2015 at Alabama with Nick Saban, we won a national championship. So I met Trevor there because he worked with Trev and he's worked with us. Bama, Georgia, Colorado, Michigan State works here talk about neutral thinking. So what is neutral thinking? Because if you know me, I'm not going to get too high. I'm not going to get too low. My teams are not going to get too high. They're not going to get too low. Okay. We're going to stay neutral. And neutral thinking is basically says this. Here's the situation. Here's what we know to be true. This is what we know. to be, Here's the fact. This is what we know. This is the truth. Okay. And, and, and we're not going to judge it. It's not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. Just is what it is. We're not going to be emotional about it. Go to the truth. Go to the facts. And based upon what we know to be factual, what we know the truth is, and we're not going to lie to ourselves, okay, based upon what we do know, that's going to determine what we do next. What's the right next step? What's the right next step? It's always most important what we do next, because what we do is an action. It's a behavior, okay? And those create outcomes. So what we do next is going to create the outcome we want. So When you think neutrally about a situation, like people say, well, how'd you make it through? Oh, you get the job, February 12th. As soon as you get the coaches hired, next you know, COVID hits. How'd you make it through that? Neutral thinking. I'm not gonna judge it. Good, bad, right or wrong. You know, it is what it is. What do we know? We didn't know a lot. What did we know? Well, we gotta do this. We gotta do this. We gotta do this. You're just wasting time when you're complaining about it. You're wasting time getting emotional about it. You're wasting time trying to judge it. Is this good or bad? No. What do we need to do? What do we need to do next? Okay, send everybody home. Okay, we need to learn how to Zoom. We're gonna start Zooms on Monday, okay? Neutral thinking, and I'm telling you, neutral thinking is very difficult, but, and you have to practice it. It's like a skill, No, it's a skill. Because if you're telling me not to judge the situation, that's tough. How do I not judge the situation, you know? You say, well, is it like emotionless? No, you're gonna have emotion without being emotional. There's gonna be some emotion, okay? But again, like, what does it tell you you need to do, you know? Neutral thinking, critically important. And then the last thing before I take questions, at my own time? Okay, last thing is success leaves clues. So I played for Barry R. Rez, Wisconsin. I was in his first recruiting class in 1990. We were one in 10 my freshman year, five and six, five and six Rose Bowl. Okay, then they named the street after him. He was AD, now he retired, okay? Then I came to Michigan State in 97 with Saban. Then I went to Miami, Ohio for a year. Then I went to LSU with Saban. Then I went to Ohio State with Jim Trestle. Went, won a national championship. That was his fifth national championship. Uh, then I go to the Cleveland Browns with Romeo Cornell, who had just been with uh, Bill Belichick and just won a Super Bowl there. Then I go to Jacksonville with Jack Del Rio, who played for Jimmy Johnson. Then I go to Chicago Bears, you know, and coaching in Soldier Field. And then I uh, then I go to Alabama. Then I go to Georgia. We played for the national championship in year two. Now I got two national championship rings, play for another one. Okay, then I go to Colorado, then I come here. Now, I've been around a lot of great coaches. A lot of great coaches. I've been around a lot of great players that I've coached that have taught me some things. And all the people that you meet along the way. In the business of football, outside, of, I learn more from the people that are not in football. I learn more from those folks, okay? If you see someone that's successful, if you see a company being successful, having success the way you can see it, you say they're doing something right, figure out what they're doing and and maybe do some of that. That's what they're doing. You see someone next to you, like they're excelling, they're getting promoted. And you're sitting there saying, oh, they're just kissing somebody's ass. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe pay attention to what they're doing. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe they're super organized. Or maybe instead of networking, instead of kissing ass, maybe they're networking. Maybe they're closing the loop. Maybe they're following through. Maybe they're writing handwritten notes. Like, how are they doing this? What are they doing like every single day? You know, so there's no overnight success. Like, maybe I should start doing that. Oh, well, this guy, this guy owns this place and, like, he's got all this money, right? Well, you're looking at that. Well, what is he doing? What has he done? Did you ever ask him? How did he get started? What worked? What didn't work? Like, just ask, find out, and then say, well, maybe I need to start doing that. Maybe instead of me taking two minutes to bang out a text message and I got to read it three times before I send it, look for typos, just take 18 seconds and send a voice text. Save me time. Maybe that'll work. Success leaves clues, and they're all over. They're not just in sports, they're not just Tom Brady. But you wanna think about Tom Brady's not the fastest guy. He doesn't have the strongest arm. The guy's like 65 years old, he's still playing. What's he doing right? (laughs) We say he sleeps in this hyperbolic chamber, he doesn't, well maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to do that. He, He sleeps 12 hours a day. Maybe I need to sleep 12 hours a day. Maybe I'll be the next Tom Brady in whatever I'm doing. So I'm gonna wrap it up. I know we got 10 or 15 minutes left for questions. Anything you wanna know, As long as you don't, we got two bluebellies in, so I'm not saying anything, okay? But um, as long as you don't post it or tweet about it or put it in the chat rooms, and if you do, I will hunt you down
2: (laughs) relentlessly.
0: (laughs) Trust me. I know how. I've been doing this long enough, but I'll ask pretty much anything that you, if I can. Questions? Yes, ma'am. That's a great question. I've never been asked that. Ding, ding, ding. Get my wheels turning. To ditch a bad habit or to build a new one? Well, I'll say this. I know how to fix the bad habits. And I know how to build the new ones you build it by repetition. Like over and over and over and over again. But the, the way I get them to ditch the bad habits, I go in hard. I go in super hard on people. Whether they're, they work like staff or players, I go in super hard. I go in like extreme, extremely hard on them on this is where we're going to do it and you gotta shit or get off the pot. Like, you, this is what we're gonna do. If you ain't with this, you gotta go. You can never start off soft and then say, oh, it's not working, and then pick it up. It's too late. You already lost, them. you already lost. Them. You gotta go in right from the day one, and you gotta say, this is how we're gonna do this. This is exactly how we're gonna do this, and this is why. This is why it's important to do it this way, okay? And I know what works, and this is it. If you got any questions, you let me know, but we're coming in. this is where we're doing it. And I don't care how you did it before. Because I hear that all the time. You're going, well, we never done it that way. Well, listen, there's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I'm here right now. And guess what? I'm the one that's got to go to the press conference after the game. Me, me. So when you become the head coach, you can do it the way you want to do it. But right now, I'm the one that's got to go to the press conference, and so we're doing it like this. So you don't get a lot of bad habits. after. that. And if they do, then that means they're not bought in. They're not changing. They're not bought in. They don't believe in what you're doing. And then at that point, then they need to move on, go somewhere where they fit in, but where, where their values align a little bit more. And then the good habit are just repetition, just being consistent in what you're asking people to do. And you don't change it from day to day. Oh, hey, I want you here 10 minutes early. Oh no, it's okay if you just come on time. Oh, you know, you don't have to come in at all. You can work for, you know, it's just consistent. Thank you, sir. Okay, thank you. thank you. I it, man. Thank you. Thank you.
2: We uh, greatly appreciate you being here with us today. Appreciate you guys. I know, uh, thanks for the bang. Yeah, get you going.
1: <laughs> A special thanks to Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker and Aaron Ziegler for participating in today's podcast. Until next time, how are you driving vision today?